You are listening to Seattle Growth Podcast, available free on iTunes. This is the third season of Seattle Growth Podcast. I'm Jeff Schulman, and I thank you for listening along the way. But have no fear. Seattle Growth Podcast will return for a fourth season in which I will explore the past, present, and future of the Seattle music scene. Reach out to me if you have an interesting perspective to share, and stay subscribed to the podcast in iTunes so you don't miss a single episode. In this season of Seattle Growth Podcast, I set out to gain a better understanding of the physical transformation of Seattle, how much the landscape of Seattle is changing, who is driving these changes, how are people affected by these changes, and what people are doing to shape the future of our Seattle. I set across the city to hear from real estate developers, residents, and activists about the changes underway. Along the way, the voices of Seattle expressed a significant challenge facing the community. In this season finale, revisit the voices of this season as they share a common concern about how Seattle is transforming and offer their ideas for action steps that anyone can take to build progress toward addressing the challenge. I don't really feel that Seattle really wants a lot of black people here anymore. I hear people say, oh, they're gentrifying us. Community-oriented events and community pillars are gone. You start to lose control. C-A-Y-A, gone. Black churches can go away. TLC is still there, but it's not the same. You start to lose the cultural connection. Now, as black people, our culture doesn't have any focal point anymore in Seattle. Businesses have changed. People have moved away. Um, so it's, it's changed. I hear people say, oh, they're gentrifying. I said, they have gentrified past tense. I feel like I'm lost in the city. I feel that I'm losing heart. It's that much harder to kind of feel solidarity and feel a sense of community. We are struggling. We are hungry. We are becoming even more of a huddled mass, uh, a set of masses, and uh, we... We need more concern. We're not asking for our handout, just a hand. And it's not even about color at that point. It's not about race at that point. It's just about, you know, a person-to-person relationship. What do you think white people can do to help make a thriving black community here in Seattle? Find out why are they leaving. If, you know, if people just studied black history, they would get the fact. History is foundational. There's an old saying, if you don't know where you've been, how can you know where you're going? Can you describe historically some of the policies that the Seattle of yesterday used to have that maybe has led to this migration? Our patterns of uh, segregation migration in Seattle goes back to the early 1930s. African Americans were primarily relegated to a certain area in the city. They used to have to be African Americans in the central area. Uh, by uh, covenants and restrictions and redlining and all. To the north of Seattle, African Americans very seldom were offered or had the opportunity to buy homes, let's just say north of uh, John. And literally there were like charters in the community that said no uh, person of, you know, who was Asian or African American. To the south, African Americans were able to buy homes up to Lane Street. And there were over 400 housing covenants across Seattle. And then to the east, on the east side, 
we were able to buy homes, so to speak, in around 25th or 26th. There was also a lot of informal ways of controlling who lived where, all the way to community members protesting African Americans moving in. And then to the West, African Americans were able to buy homes down to maybe uh, 12th Avenue. One of the last housing covenants, I believe, in Seattle was changed, like the language was changed around 2006. And so you didn't see African American houses or families beyond these borders. The fact that those certain neighborhoods were unable to gain loans to reinvest in their own neighborhoods themselves kind of led to some of the the decline in some of the the non-white neighborhoods. We had such a thriving African-American community in Seattle, uh, but over time, the difficulty to hold on to the, the progress and, and entrepreneurship uh, against the odds, against the, the headwinds, begins to kind of grind down. And so they used evidence of concentrated areas with concentrated poverty to suggest that you know, these folks basically were subhuman. In 1980, amongst cities in the United States of America, Seattle was number one in the incarceration of African Americans relative to their percentage in the population. A lot of that was tied to, you know, the war on drugs uh, had a massive impact because um, those areas were targeted. And it kind of kind of perpetuated. And in 2011, they produced a report, the preliminary report on race and criminal justice in the state of Washington. Anybody can get it. It concluded that Washington state's legal system, its criminal justice system, is institutionally racist at all levels. Many of the people that you've just supposed are institutionally racist uh-huh. would self-identify as not racist. Very true. You have to ask yourself, what is racism? What is this big word, racism? Actually, everybody is not racist. I'm going to tell you what it is. Habit. Indifference can be worse than hatred because at least hatred feels. So for non-black residents of Seattle, do you have a message as to what they could do to make sure that there continues to be a place for black people in Seattle? Once you learn more about it, talk to the people you know. Be active in policies. Bring it to your workplace and there'll be chances to say a little bit or do a little bit. Be proponents for maintaining the culture and heritage of African-Americans in the city. Wherever you're influential, you can use that influence to tell the story and to see if you can't shift things a little bit more. One person can make a difference, which I think is pretty important. Decisions are made, and if there's no one there to speak on behalf of what people want that is inclusive, as opposed to being exclusive, nothing will change. The council elections matter, the mayoral elections matter. Uh, But more than that, to a large extent, the people that show up get to set the agenda. If you can get a message out to the people of Seattle about what they could do, what would you say? Read the history books. Read how 
the city was made. And what we really need is to try and interact with each other if we can. Sympathy and understanding comes with more engagement. That this is happening all over the city and all over the country and being mindful of that and getting rid of your fear and connecting with people that you won't normally connect with. To understand how and where they come from so that you have that sympathy in um, when you're dealing with solving problems collectively. Everybody has a story and a, and a journey and um, it's important for all of us to listen to each other. So I, I would tell people to, I guess the opposite of fear is love. And I feel like we should embrace the, the love side. Once you attack that fear and really be mindful about it and, you know, be mindful of your surroundings and say, hey, I'm not going to be scared because I don't know who this person is or I don't know what they're about. Uh, I'm going to actually embrace it and say, what are you about, brother? So it all boils down to people having an understanding and a love for all human beings, regardless of their color. Any concluding thoughts? There's a lot of people that are enjoying the fruits uh, and the benefits of the growth of our city, but there's a lot of others that are kind of suffering through it for a variety of different reasons. And there are opportunities for the public to weigh in on a number of different issues along the way. You know, we wouldn't be human if we didn't change all the time um, and didn't strive for a better or strive for a higher level of, of living. We can do big things that make our place more human. And I'm asking that we take that same ingenuity, resolve, forward thinking, and apply it to the people who have caught the early buses, like Jesse Jackson would say, from can't see in the morning, and the late bus home it can't see at night. Having a desire to see equality and the Constitution fulfilled for all people. It's those young people and older people or middle-aged people who have that understanding and that love for humanity that will make a difference. I'm Jeff Schulman, and I thank you for joining me on this Journey of Seattle Growth podcast.